<clears throat> okay, our daf today, <clears throat> we're going to pick up on uh, on the law that the Mishnah taught, that we're talking about the unique Tumah of Tumas Oholim, when a dead body is under a roof, so besides the halacha, that the Tumah permeates throughout the entire, uh, under whatever is under the same roof, there's another halacha that the roof itself, whatever is called the Ol, becomes Tameh and needs purification. So, the halacha is that things that are come out from a tree cannot become a shame ohel. They don't become a, they don't become a tent. A tent covering a very specific, in terms of what what what's defined as an ohel. And most products from a tree, the Mishnah said, cannot get that tum of being a, an ohel. The only thing that could is pishtan, is flats. And we're going to understand today what the sources for that is. So the bottom line of the Gemara, what is the source? How do we know that flax can, 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 can be called an ohel, gets the shame of an ohel, and therefore is subject to the Tumas ohel, if this flax attached to the ground goes up and it's over a dead body, how do I know that the flax would become Tameh? So the Gemara says, Amar Abelazar, Gemar ohel o. We learn in Zerushava of the term of ohel. Mi Mishkan. We look at it from the Mishkan. So the Mishkan, <coughs> there were different uh, levels of the covering. And uh, and the, the the cover one of the levels of the covering the mishkan was flax. So we learn Xer Shavak Sivhacha it says here Zosa Torah Adam Kiyamas Ba Oel. This is talking about the Tum of the Oel, talking about the Tumas Oel, it says uh, the term oil. Sivhasam it says by the Mishkan, by Yifrosis Oel Al Mishkan, that Moshe spread the tent over the Mishkan. So the truth is that that it's not so simple. Um, what, what exactly the oil is referring to in that Pasuk, right? There was another thing, there was another covering there, and that Pasuk actually seems to be referring to the, the covering the goat hair. Um, but the general idea, the way Rashi seems to understand our Gemara, is that there are times when the Mishkan and o, the Ol Moed is used interchangeably. Like in the Pasuk, the Pasuk says it was finished all the work of the Mishkan, and then it says the Ol Moed was, was Nishlam, was finished. So a Mishkan and an Ol are the same. So whenever the Torah, we always can consider whatever something is referred to as a mishkan can be called an ol. So the the, the coverings of the mishkan were uh, of the of the mishkan were called mishkan. We find that in the pasuk, and therefore can be called ol as well. So it's really the pasuk. It's a little strange, but the pasuk that's being quoted here in the Gemara by Yifras is ol mishkan isn't really the perfect pasuk that we need. But really, what the Gemara is. Um, is relying on is the general fact that Mishkan is an old moed are used interchangeably. So at any rate, so we you learn that the flax covering over the Mishkan was part of the Mishkan, so that's called an ohel. So so too here, um, when the Torah writes the word ohel by tumah by the tumah of ohel, we say that pishon is called an ohel. Malon pishta shall pishon carry ohel. Just over there by the Mishkan, these cloth flax which was used in covering the Mishkan was called an ohel. Afkan shall pishon carry ohel. So too by the the tumah that. Of Oalim, flask can be called um, a tent and therefore would become Tommy with Thomas Oalim when it's on top of the dead body. Says the Gemara, if that's where you're coming from, is the comparison to the base to the Mishkan, Imala Hala and Chizur. And it wasn't just any ordinary flax. There it was the cloth was made into twisted, it was twisted altogether. It was it wasn't simple threads, it was twisted threads. They were they were sick, they would take six strands and 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 <clears throat> twist them all together, six all six strands, and that's how each one was used. So Afkan, so to here, maybe by the Tomas Ol, Shizurin Vichutan Kafal Shisha. Maybe it's only we're talking about only if the flax is made of twisted threads that are twisted six times over. And only that considered to be subject to Tomas Ol. But any stam ordinary flax will not be. So the Mara answer is Tamalomar O Riba. It says Ol a second time in the Pasik. Alright, the Pasik says that these are the laws of, of, of person who died in the oil, 
It says, So it says, oh, a couple of extra times there to tell you that even we include even these cloth, um, the flask cloth that isn't necessarily twisted six times, uh, but still we learn that it has a Torah's oah. So the Gemara says, if that's what's going on, you have extra words of oo that include more things. We should include everything. It shouldn't only be flax. Again, we're only saying flax because that's what's used in the Mishkan. But then when we say the type of flax, we're not saying specifically the same type as that was used in the Mishkan. Oh, because I have oo Rebo, so I should include everything. So the Gemara says, because in Cain, if I would use oo to include anything, then what was the purpose of the Xer Shava that limited it to learn from the Mishkan? So it has to be limited to what's by the Mishkan. On the other hand, we can broaden it. So it's, 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 it's narrow in the sense that it's only flags, but it's broadened because of the extra word ol to include even if it's not twisted or sixfold. So now the Gemara says where that the whole thing with flasks is because whatever was used for the for the in the in the Mishkan when the oil in the Mishkan is an oil here. So the Gemara says Imam Alan Kashim, just over there they use the wooden beams to be called the oil. Because remember, we're saying that whatever is called the Mishkan is called an oil, that's the same thing. <coughs> They're used interchangeably, that's our source. So the Krushim were called the Mishkan. And they were regular wood. So Afghan Krashim, so too, for the roof, for the tumah, for the roof, we should say that any wooden beams. So why does the Mishnah say that the only thing that comes from a tree that's really hobble tumah is old? Is flax. We should say that any other wood, wood products also, like beams. Beams should be included. Because the Krashim were called an oil. So the Gemara says, Amar Krav, Atisa is a Krashim La Mishkan. It says you make the beams for the Mishkan. For the Mishkan implies they're not the Mishkan itself. The implication of the Pasuk is you use the beams to la mishkan, to attach to the mishkan, but it's not the mishkan itself. Mishkan kari mishkan, only the mishkan is called the mishkan. So now we're saying that the in Krashim Korean mishkan, but the but the beams themselves are not called the mishkan. So it's interesting. The, the coverings themselves, those are called the ol, and those are called the mishkan. But the Krashim, those themselves don't have the term of mishkan. They're just la mishkan for the mishkan. So therefore, the, the, the wooden beams are not the ol. They're, they're la mishkan. They're not the mishkan itself. And so they're not the ol. And therefore, they're excluded from being learned off for Tomas ol. The wooden beams are not subject to Tomas ol. Only the flax, which was the covering of the mishkan, that itself is the mishkan itself. And that's learned off ol, ol, as, uh, as, that is subject to Tomas ol. So the Gemara says, Elamiyata, that diik is true. If Asa is mixel oel, what about the, the covering of, let's say, this is the other level, right? There were three levels of the covering of the Mishkan. We have the, the goat's hair, we have the flax, and then there was the animal hide. So it says, when it's talking about the hides, it says, make it a mixel oel, a cover for the oel. For, for the so you could say the same thing, mixel oel, that the hides themselves aren't called the tent, they're just la oel for it. And if so, it would come out that hides wouldn't be subject to Tomas oel. But Ella, is that true? How did by Rabbi Lazar? Rabbi Lazar had a Shiloh. He had a Shiloh about the hides from non-kosher animals, whether in Matamid or Olamais. And we'll see what his question was. But he wanted to know about non-kosher hides. So, Hashta or Matami. But if you're right, that wherever it says La, it's not it, the oil itself, it's just for the oil. So then, hides of even kosher animals aren't, aren't going to be called an oil and wouldn't be Makabal Tomas Olim because the hides in the Mishkan were only La oil. They weren't the oil itself. So and what would the question even be for non-kosher hides? Certainly they wouldn't be considered oil itself. If Rabbi Lazar was clearing about non-kosher hides, clearly he understood that kosher hides are Makabal Tomas Olim. What's the source that is called the oil? Must be because in the Mishkan, they made the Mishkan of all the hides were covering and they were called an oil. But what do you mean? It said La oil. So evidently, even though it says La, it's still included in the term oil. So now our question from the Krashim 
Krushim comes back. So even though it says make the Krushim for the Mishkan, we should be considering them as the body of the Mishkan itself, and we should have a, a source that it's called Oel, and then even wooden beams should be Mechabal to Mats Oelim. So the Gemara says no. Really what we said was true. Whatever it says law, it's not the Mishkan itself, and that's why wooden beams are excluded. Ah, your question from... From the hides, why are hides makabel tomas olim? Shani also the hazer hazer The pasuk puts it back in and calls it a tent itself. So see if it says in the pasuk, "Vanos was yirisa mishkan v'so mechseyu mechseya tachas shasher alav." So it says when they're we're talking about the levim carrying it, it says they carry all the different panels of the of the, of the covering, the mishkan covering, and the olmoy the cover, and the tachas cover that's on it. So makash elyon the tach when it compares the upper covering, which was the animals, with the lower, which was the the the, the goats here. Ma tachlon kari olal just as the lower one is called the oil because that's that it says very clearly in the pasuk by the goats here it says you make it a tent. So to the upper covering, the hides are called a tent. So since the animal hides in that pasuk are clearly called a, called a tent, so therefore they're makabal to olim. And Rabbi Lazar only wanted to know a shaila about tummy hides, but tar hides um, are called an ol. But where, but the krushim where, where we don't find anywhere that they're called the mishkan or ol themselves, the krushim where they're only called la mishkan for the mishkan, they're not the mishkan itself, they're not the ol itself. We have no source that they're called an ol, and therefore the wooden beams are excluded from. Tomas Olam. And that concludes where we are. So the bottom line is, we're looking at a new, 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 new definition, trying to figure out what in the world OL is. What kind of materials, when they're attached to the ground, and they go, and then they go above something, will be called an OL. And the Nafkamina we're looking for is what's subject to Tomas Olam. So the Mishnah said the only product of a tree that is subject to Tomas Olam is flax. It's coming out that the source of this is that we look at the Mishkan, whatever was called the Mishkan or Ol itself will now be subject to Tumas Ol because of the Xer Shava. So we include things like flax or, or animal hides as a source um, that they would be subject to Tumas Olim. However, plain wood <coughs> is not subject to Tumas Olim. It's never called the Ol or the Mishkan itself. So now the Gemara gets back to the question Rabbi Lazar had. Gufa, Rabbi Rabbi Olim. What about non-kosher animal hides? So the Gemara says, "My coming by, what's the question? I mean, were there any non, were there any hides that were not kosher animals that were used in the Mishkan? No, right? All presumably, all the hides in the Mishkan were kosher. So if they were all kosher, and then we only have a source that kosher animal hides are called ola. Why would Rabbi Lazar even think that non-kosher animal hides uh, could possibly be being ola? So the Gemara says, because Amar Rabbi Rabbi Tachash he wasn't sure about the tachash. The tachash, which was, was used for hides to cover the mishkan, we weren't sure what it is. Was it a non-kosher animal or a kosher animal? The tachash, we don't really know what it is. So if it was a non-kosher animal, then we'll have a source of non-kosher hides or subject to Tomas Oel. If it was a kosher animal, we won't have a source for non-kosher hides. I'm Rabbi Yosef. My what kind of question is that? Tanina, we learned in a brisa. Now the brisa doesn't say what it's talking about, but the brisa says like this. The only hide that's good for serving Hashem is the height of a kosher animal. So what do you mean for serving Hashem? Presumably it means for building the Mishkan. And that's the point that the Bryce is making. In the building of the Mishkan, you can only use kosher eyes, not non-kosher eyes. So obviously the Tachash had to be a kosher animal, not a non-kosher animal. So again, so that's Rav Yosef coming to, to resolve the question that Rebbe Lazar, that Rebbe Lazar was posing. So the Gemara says, is that true? Masiv Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Yudha Omer, Shnei Mishlech Shabbat. There were two covers of animal hides in the Mishkan. And what is red and um, uh, uh, elim are rams hides? Red ram hides. And one was the takash hides. There were two two covers. It was like two layers. There was one cover. Half of the cover was the red ram hides. And one... And the one half of it was the Takashai. So, because it was spotted, it had two different 
uh, things on the one cover, it, the Tachash looks like a Tela Ilan. A Tela Ilan, it seems like it was almost like a cat-like type of thing, and it was a non-kosher animal. That's the point. And it had spots on it. So Tela Ilan, tell me, the Tela Ilan is a non-kosher animal. And we're assuming that the meaning of Reb Nechemiah, that it looked like the Tela Ilan, is saying that that the, the Tachash, the Tachash, actually look like a Tala Ilan, it was a type of Tala Ilan. It was a type of this species that's non-kosher. So if it was a non-kosher animal and, 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 and it was still used, so we clearly see that the Tachash was not kosher. So we're going back on, on to arguing Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was assuming that the price that says only kosher animals we use the Malach HaShemayim is talking about building the Mishkan. So obviously the Tachash was a kosher animal. And now we're seeing that Rav Ava disagrees. Rav Ava says, no, if the, Rav Nechemah says in the Brisa that the covering was half the red ram and the half of a Tachash, which looked like a Talilan, and we're assuming that the Tachash is a Talilan, which is a non-kosher animal, it must be the Tachash was not kosher. So the Gemara says, no, this is what Rav Nechemah meant to say. The Tachash was like the Talilan in the sense that it had spat... Different uh, different colors on it. Well, low We don't mean that it was a talilan. Dilu hasam tame. The talilan is not a kosher animal. Val chatar. But the tachash is a kosher animal. So really, Rav Yosef was right in the in his understanding of the brayso that you could only use kosher animals to build a mishkan. When the, this brayso of Nachemi was saying was that the covers look like the talilan, it just means it look like it because it has splashes of different colors. It makes sense because that's how Aminon says when you look at the targum, the translation in the in 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 Unklos, for Tachash, this is a Saskona. What does Saskona mean? It's happy with the beauty of many different colors. Saskona means it's happy with colors. It's not the translation of the word is in Tala'ilan. You know why? Because it's not a Tala'ilan. It's a, it's a different thing. The Tachash may be, really be a kosher animal. Okay. Now, the Gemara. So, what comes out? What comes out is that Rav Yosef's opinion is defended. Rav Yosef holds that Tachash was a kosher animal. He holds that the price are actually held that way. You can only use kosher animals to build the Mishkan. If so, then the non kosher hides would not be subject to Tumas Olam. So, the Gemara says, Rav Amar, no. Rav holds, no. The hides of non kosher animals are Tame, um, are, t- are subject to Tumas Olam. Now, what would the source be? Right? We can't just say in the Mishkan because the Mishkan was saying whether the Tachash was a kosher animal. So what would the source be? So it's a long proof. Satanyat says in a bright R. So first we start with Tumat Saras. By Tumat Saras it says animal hides could also be shy to the Tumat. So it says Bi'ar over R in the animal hide. So, so Riba R behemoth to me. So what is it coming to include? It comes to include the hide of a non kosher animal. Even a hide from a non kosher animal could be subject to Tumat of Saras. Vishalak of Yad Kohen, or if the hide was afflicted after the coin already had examined it. In other words, you don't have to say that it had to have the spot had to be there before the coin checks it. Even if the coin checks it and then the spot develops, it could also become tummy. Or how do I know if you cut pieces of all the different types of garments mentioned there in the Pasuk? And you made one big garment out of all of them that also could have Tarastaf. So the bottom line is in this in this area of halacha, by the tum of Taras, the Torah does not machala between kosher animal hides and non-kosher animal hides. Hides are subject to saras, and we say that whether it's kosher or not kosher, in both scenarios, it's subject to the tum of Taras. So now, why can we say the same thing for tumas oil? For tumas oil, where we say that 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 R is subject to tumas oil, but it's kosher. So presumably, we can say the same thing if it's not kosher as well. However. That's not necessarily a good proof. A person can refute this, this comparing the two. Because remember, we have a big chumar about saras that even the unfinished 
fabrics. They're not, they weren't even woven together. They were just the threads were designated. The warp and the woof were just designated strings. Already they could they're subject to tumah of saras. That's unique chumra. That's only by the tumah of saras. But for example, for tumah's ol, it wouldn't be that way. It has to be a finished cloth. So maybe so too. Another severity might be. For the Tumah of Hides, that for the Tumah of Hides, even non-kosher Hides could only be called Tumah of Tzaras, but not for Tumah of the oil. So Ella, rather, Rabbi says, Gavar Mishrat, and we learn it from the Tumah from a dead chariot. So the dead chariot gives contact to the Hides. The Tanya says in a bright saw, or it says an animal hide becomes in contact with the chariot, becomes Tumah. In the Yolar, I would say there's only if the hide is from a kosher animal. Or Behemoth, maybe nine. How do I know if the hide is from a non-kosher animal that it also is Makabal, the Tumah from a chariot? Lomar, or it says the word O. O-R comes to include even the height of a behemoth tmeh. So, so to here, we should say the same thing. Just as by the tumma of sheretz, we say that not only a R of a kosher animal, but even R of a non-kosher animal is makabal tumma of sheretz. So to the R for being makabal tumma of a tumma of O-L, it's even a non-kosher height. Says that, however, you can make a pericha. Shratzim have the severity that even just the size of a lentil, like the very small amount of a dead sheretz, <laughs> the size of a lentil, it's enough to give off the tumma. Masha'enke in a dead body has to have be a kazayas. A dead body has to be a kazayas to give off tumma to the to the ol. So maybe by by the by the tumma of ol, it's only kosher and or highs not not non kosher ones. So the Gemara says negam to to refute that refutation, we could prove from negam because negam need more than an adasha. They need a gris, a large larger bean. Um, in, in size of lentil will not be matame, and still we say that it's matame from non kosher animal. So, the point is, we're going to make a common denominator between saras and shratzim. Neither one are really the same. They have different severities about each. Saras is a severity that it's matame, and, uh, and, and shratzim have a, have, have, a, have a severity that matame, what's the common denominator? That R is Tame in both contexts, and the Torah doesn't distinguish between what type of R, whether it's kosher or non kosher highs. So, so now, based on that common denominator, I can also add the Tumba by all Tame, but where we know that the kosher hide is Tame, so where hide is Tame, we should treat the, the hide from a non kosher animal like the hide of a kosher animal by Tumas OL as well. So, the bottom line is, Rabba is making it's out of Shava, a comparison between the two cases of Tumah Saras and the Tumah of Shratzim, where we see in both cases by the Tumah of Hides, the Torah does not distinguish between kosher hides or non-kosher hides, and we're going to try to bring that over now to the area, the context of Halacha of Tumah's OL, and say that when the Torah is is the time of the Hides, it doesn't distinguish between kosher or non-kosher. Says the Gemara, I'm going to lay varnish. The Ravashi, Eagle of Mivrach, you could refute that comparison of that set of Shabbat. I know the Tumat of Nagam and, and Sharetz isn't exactly the same, but they're both less than a Kazai's. One's a Gris and one's an Adasha, but they're both less than a Kazai's. Tomar Bameshin, Matamah Kazai's. Mace is very lenient, and only if there's a Kazai's from the Mace, then it's Matamah Tomas all. So maybe we should also be more lenient and say it's only kosher eyes that are subject to non kosher eyes. So rather, we need another source that non that non kosher animal hides are shy to tumah of oil. Ella, my rabbi, my barnish. Rather, rabbi barnish says, Asya mikavah homer minotza shalizim. You can make a kavah homer from notza shalizim, the goat's hair. So the goat's hair is not matam of nagam. It's not matam of nagam at all. Remember, we learn matam of nagam. It has to be only materials are wool or linen. So it's not matam. It's not matam. It's not matam of nagam. And nonetheless, and the reason would be because the goat's hair is called an OL. That was one of the coverings in the Mishkan. 
So our behema tamash matama minagam. So the hide of a non-kosher animal, which is matama binagaim, ain't no danger matama of all mates. So then Kabachomer says all the more certain it should have the toma of all mates. Again, the Kabachomer is not such a lesion, which doesn't have the toma of Saras, and nonetheless has the toma of all mates. So a hide of behema tamash, which has the toma of Saras, should certainly have the toma of all mates. Okay, so if we're coming out then. That what that the, that the height of behemoth tamei is matam of olamets. It must be that it's called an ol. Why is it called an ol? It must be that it was used. It must be that it was used in the in the mishkan. And it must be that uh, that even a non kosher animal could be used. Maybe the tachash wasn't kosher. So wait a second. El al tanah Yosef. But what's going to be with the price that we had before the Rav Yosef kept on saying lahol shul malachah shemar malar behemoth tar that to, to use for shemaim you can only use kosher animals. So what's that price of talking about? If it's clearly it's not talking about the mishkan, if we're saying that even non kosher non kosher animals can be used as well. So what is it talking about then? What is it? Uh, what is it talking about? So the Gemara answers, let's fill in. You're right, it's nothing to do with the Mishkan. It's talking about tefillin. Tefillin is also something used for Shemaim, and it's saying that the parchment of the tefillin that you write, the tefillin on, has to come from the height of a kosher animal. It's, to, it's not talking about Thomas Oil, it's not talking about any of that, blah, blah, at all. It's talking about the laws of tefillin. Tefillin must be written on kosher heights. Says the Gemara, that's clear. It's a magic super that says that, in, 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 it's expounded in a Pasuk. It says, This is by... Uh, it says in Parsha's bow, when it's talking about tefillin, it says that it's written, tefillin is written, then it says the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth. So what does it mean? That tefillin has to be written on things, but you're allowed to eat a type of animal that can be eaten. So you can't, we see already from there, the bride said, why didn't it just quote that Pasuk? It's so clear from there that the animal, that tefillin, that the hides that you write tefillin on have to be kosher hides. So the bride can't be talking about that. El Oren says, the more maybe you're talking about the boxes of the tefillin. You're not writing it on the boxes. You write it on the parchment. But the chiddush that we're saying in the price says that even the boxes have to be kosher. Says the marvel amar by shin shel tefillin alchem hashemisina that the shin of the tefillin that sticks out of the leather box is alchem hashemisina. So the shin is also uh, written Torah. That's what it is. The shin is writing of Torah. It's got the beginning of the shem hashem, the shakai. The shin is the shin is 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 a chiluk the ksivas haosios. So it also should be should be derived from the previous shash of lamantiot hashem v'ficha. So why do I need the brayta to include? The boxes out of a new din. Of course, the boxes are included for that they have to be kosher hides because the shin is written on the boxes. So what says the Torah? The Bryce is talking about that you have to wrap the tefillin with their hair, the hair of kosher animals, and sew the boxes shut with their own sinews with kosher with sinews from kosher animals. That's what it's talking about. So the Mars says, that, that point, you don't need the Brisa to say that. That's Allah Mishmisina. Tanya says in another Brisa, Tfilin we Mishmisinai. The law that Tfilin have to be square. Was one of the Allah Hamish Mishinai and the Chachos Tan of Tars Begit and the Lalacha that to be wrapped in their own hair and sewn with their sinews is also Allah Hamish Mishinai. So if the Brisa doesn't give us a source in Allah Hamish Mishinai, it must be it's not talking about that law. So where it says El Luritu, it's talking about the straps of the tefillin. Tefillin straps have to come for a kosher animal. That's what the Brisa was referring to. So as the Gemara from Rishon Lekutush Chor Allah Hamish Mishinai, the fact that tefillin straps have to be black is derived from Allah Hamish Mishinai. So presumably Allah Hamish Mishinai said it has to be black if it's saying it has to be kosher as well. We're assuming that the Allah said both. So Vaiter, why? With this price, just say the halacha that has to be kosher without citing the halacha. So the Gemara says, No, they didn't mean your The halacha which Mishina was only said has to be black. The horse mean Miri, but did the halacha which Mishina say that it has to be kosher? The price didn't say that. The halacha didn't say that. So the price is adding that the tefillin straps have to be from a hide of a kosher animal. And it's interesting, the price doesn't have a source. It's not the halacha. So what is the source? It's an interesting thing. It doesn't really say, but the post can say that we just say Lamat Yerat at the end of the day goes on everything, not only the part that the tefillin is written, but any part that's used with the tefillin at all.
Okay, so the bottom line is we had that price of Rav Yosef uh, with different ways to understand it. It says only kosher hides, and we some people are saying that that is talking about the Mishkan. Some people are saying it's not. Some people are saying it's talking about the, the tefillin straps. So it's really not so clear. And the root of the question all is about this tachash that Moshe Rabbeinu used. Uh, what what exactly is this tachash? Is this tachash a kosher animal or a non-kosher animal? So now the Gemara says, my tachash Moshe. What? How do we decide? What's the deal? Was it a kosher animal or a non-kosher one? So Amar Abulai, Amar Shimon, Melakish, Omar Hayyur, Meir, Meir used to say, tachash Moshe was unique. Priya was like a one-time usage for this whole thing in, in history. Therefore, the rabbis couldn't decide if it's a chai or a behemoth, a wild animal, a domestic animal. We don't know what the tachash was. It had one horn out of its coming out of its forehead, only one horn. It was only presented itself for Moshe just for the one time in history when it was needed for the Mishkan. They made the Mishkan, the cover of the Mishkan out of it, and then it was hidden. It was never again appeared in the history of the world. So we the one clue we see from Meir, Meir said that is one horn coming out of its forehead. It's probably a tar animal. Why? Because we know in another uh, animal that had one horn coming out of his head that was a kosher animal. The bull that the other Marishon used to, as a carbon for Hashem. Karen had one horn coming out of its forehead. This praise to Hashem, Dhanamal says, is better than it should be better to Hashem than the bull that had a horn and a hoof, which is a reference to the carbon that Adam brought. So if Adam's bull that he brought, which was obviously kosher if it was a bull, had only one horn, so presumably a single horn is like something that a kosher animal does. It's an interesting comparison. We're comparing Adamarishan's bull to the Takash. Uh, Adamarishan's bull and the Takash are not the same animal. But we're saying if we know the Takash has one horn, and we know that Adamarishan's bull had one horn, if just as Adamarishan's single, single horned bull was kosher, so presumably the Takash was kosher. Now the Gemara just pauses for one second to ask a kasha. Makrin ties much. We just says that if it said makrin, it has one, it has one horn. But makrin actually is plural. It, has, it sounds like it has two horns. So I'm It's like me carrying siv, even though the reading of it is makrin, but the kri, uh, but the ksiv, the way the pasuk is written, is missing yod there, um, and therefore it's, it's as if it reads me karen from the horn, which is mashma only one horn. Fine. So the bottom line is now it sounds like it is a kosher animal. But now we go back to our view and we have a question. If so, then if that's our comparison, we should also be able to resolve that it's a behemoth. We said we don't resolve if it's a behemoth or a chai. Why not? We should be able to see it's a behemoth because we should compare it if it had a single horn to the other single horn animal that we know in the history, which was a bull. So the same way a bull, which is a behemoth, so to this was behemoth. So the chacham couldn't be machriya, must be the comparison is no good. So it shouldn't be a good comparison for knowing whether or not it was kosher either. So the Gemara says, no, there's a wild animal out there called the Karish, which has a single horn deer, which is a chayv, also only has a single horn, so it could be said that the tachash was a type of chayv, like the Karish, not a behemoth. So therefore the chacham couldn't decide. But in terms of knowing what a kosher animal it is, the bottom line is, uh, all the single horn things that we know of are kosher, so we should assume that the tachash was in fact kosher, a kosher animal. And that seems to be the conclusion here in the Gemara. Okay, Can, now the Mishnah continues. <coughs> if you have a wig that was made from a garment. So a person just had a, a garment, and uh, we're going to see in the Gemara what exactly the case is. Uh, but you had a garment, you folded up the garment, and you just folded it, right? And that's how you're, gonna, you're using the garment in, to use for a wick. You're going to let it, so you folded it. 
But you didn't singe it. Usually they used to singe the wicks to make them easier to light. So you didn't, you didn't do that here. You just folded up the material, but you didn't singe it. So Rabbi Lazar, Omer, Tmehi, it's still Makabal Tumah. Meaning, it hasn't lost its shame of a begot. It was a garment. And just because you folded it to make it a wig, that doesn't remove its status of being a garment. After all, all you did was temporary. You didn't do anything that you know, changes it forever from, from being a garment. So just because you folded it into being a wig doesn't take away the tumah of a beget, right? The wig wouldn't be makabal tumah. Only the beget is makabal tumah. So the question is, if I fold the beget into a wig, am I removing the tumah? Rebbe Lazar says, no, it's not, you know, the damage hasn't been done. It's still, you can still take, unfold it and use it as a beget. So therefore, it's still considered a beget. There's another halacha, you can't light with it on the Shabbos. Why not? I mean, we have to see why. Why not? So we'll see in the Gemara. Rabbi Akiva Omar Tahori, he know it is Tahar. Meaning Rabbi Akiva holds that as soon as you fold up the Begad, so just folding it itself already nullifies it from being a Begad and turns it into a wick. So therefore now it is Tahar, Umad Likimba, and you're able to light on Shabbos with it. So now the Gemara analyzes Makhlok. We understand the root of the question about Tumah. Rabbi Lazar holds that folding doesn't help. It doesn't help to be Mavatalit from being a Begad. It's still a Begad even if you fold it because it's not... Um, it, 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 the impression that is that is made is not is not permanent. So therefore, the cloth is in the same original status is still a bag. Rabbi Lazar, sorry, keep a mole. Rabbi Kiva, I'm sorry, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, sorry, keep a little mole. Rabbi Kiva holds folding it into a wick does change the status of it being cloth between the bottle. It's therefore totally bottle from being a bag, and now it's a wick. What's the root of the question in terms of whether or not you're allowed to use it to light Shabbos candles? What reason would you not be able to use this wick for a Shabbos candles? So the Gemara explains, You're dealing with a kid with a piece of the cloth. It was exactly three etzpos by three etzpos. Remember, that is the minimum shear to be a beget. Less than that, will not, it cannot, it's not shy to the tumah. And, and the point why it's not Shabbos, it's less than that, it can't be considered a beggar. So three by three is exactly three by three. So it's right exactly at the, at the, at the, at the amount that it can be considered a beggar. Even one tiny little bit smaller and it will lose its status of being a beggar. We're dealing with a case where you're lighting on Arab Shabbos, it's also a yontif. Okay, so it's an Arab Shabbos, but it's also a yontif when you're lighting. And everybody holds like Rabbi Yudah, who holds that you're allowed to use for fuel on fire when you're lighting on Yontif, you could use a whole utensil, but you can't use a fragment of a, of a vessel that broke. Um, Rabbi Yudah holds very strong in the laws of Muksa. So if something broke on Yontif, it's called Nolad. It's called like it was born because when Yontif started, it wasn't broken. When Yontif started, it was a complete glee. So if it broke on Yontif, Rabbi Yudah holds that the fragments are Muksa. The fragments are Muksa. You can't use them for fuel. Because since they're in fragments now, that's not the way they were designated to be when Yontif began. They weren't like that. So the fragments are moksa according to Rabbi Yehuda. So everybody holds like Rabbi Yehuda that if a kli breaks on Yontif, you can't use it for fuel because it's moksa. Everybody holds of Ula. When you're lighting Shabbos candles, it's not enough just to light one the tip. You have to light the majority of the part of the wick that comes out of the oil. Right? You want you want to make sure that the flame is gonna is gonna is gonna light really well. As soon as you take away your hand, it's not gonna have to have to come back to it in any way. 
Remember, when you light the menorah, it's supposed to be like that. It's so when you light a Shabbos candle, it's supposed to be kedei shal shalavos ula me'ela. So therefore, therefore, ula teaches you have to light most of the wick that comes out of the oil. So now let's figure this out. A blazer sorry keep ula in a mo. A blazer holds it just folding it didn't take away its status of being a beged. So right now it's a beged even though it's folded. So as soon as you start the lighting, you're lighting what you're lighting a beged. Even the adlik porta. But since remember the beged is how much exactly three by three at both. So as soon as you light even the tiniest amount, have they shever kli. So it becomes a fragment of a kli. It breaks. When you light it right away, it's going to lose its status of being a beggar because the tiniest amount of the lighting thing is going to remove the amount of three by three. As soon as the amount of three by three is removed, now it will be a shever kli. Now it will be a fragment. The chikamadlik, when you have to continue and light more, remember that's ulazin, you have to light rov. When you continue to light, you're lighting something that now just turned into a fragment of a kli. So you're not allowed to light with something that turned into a fragment of a kli on yontif. This 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 cloth was a kli until you started lighting. As soon as you start lighting the first little bit, it turned into a shaver kli. And now when you continue lighting it, you're lighting a shaver kli. So you're violating the laws of muksa because you're lighting with a shaver kli, something that became a shaver kli on Yantif. Whereas Rabbi Akiva, Sarvi Kipula, Mola, Rabbi Akiva holds that folding it already is mavatal, the status of, of the beged. Just folding it itself already takes away the status of the beged. But in Torah's Kli Allah, therefore the wick, even before you start lighting, is not a Kli. It started when Yantif began, it was already Shvarim. When Yantif began itself, it was already began as, um, it wasn't a beged, it started as a wick. As soon as you start the lighting, you're lighting with a little wick. You're not lighting with a. You're not lighting with a beged, and therefore it's already. It's not something that's becoming now broken on yontif when you light a little bit, and therefore there's no problem of nolad to continue to light with it. So a very very interesting understanding. The root of the question is like we're saying: Is folding it mavatala from being the beged? Is it a wick as soon as you fold it, or is it only become a wick once you light it? But the nafkamina in regard to whether now. One obviously nafkamina is whether it's tar, or tar whether it's susceptible to tum at that point. But the nafkamina for yontiv is based upon a specific place where the cloth was only exactly three by three, and as soon as you light it, it's going to lose three by three. Everyone holds you can't light with a fragment of a kli, something that breaks on yontiv. It's, it's going to be called muksa, no lot. Everybody holds like Rabbi and everybody holds you have to light more than a little bit. So if you hold like Rabbi Lazar that it was a Kli when Yantif began, and then as soon as I little light a little bit, it becomes a shever kli. Then I can't light more, so I can't light more on Yantif. <coughs> Rabbi Kiva holds that as soon as I fold it, it becomes a sh- it becomes a break. It loses the status of a, of a beged right then. So so there's no problem to light it on uh, Yantif. I'm Rabbi Yosef. This is what's going on. I learned in a brisa shal that the Mishnah is talking about a case where it's exactly three or three as well. I didn't understand. What the point of the bracelet was? Why is the mission only talking about something that's exactly three by three? But after I heard this brilliant suggestion, now I understand what the bracelet was saying. That's the only way to make meaning of the machlokas between our and Rabbi Akiva. I mean, the commentaries of Father Rabbi leave to Rabbi Since Father Rabbi answered this dispute in the mission is based upon the premise that everybody holds like the Rabbi Yehuda and the laws of Muksa that you can't light with fragmented clay on Yantif. If I had a clay that broke on Yantif, I can't light with the fragments because of the laws of Muksa, Shmami, not Rabbi Yudas, really. It must hold like Rabbi Yehuda because everyone in the Mishnah holds like Rabbi Yehuda according to Ravada Rabbi's Prat. But the question is, me, Amar Ravada Rabbi, would Ravada Rabbi say this? Amar Ravada Rabbi, top of Chotesim and Aleph, Nachi Shachakach, Kafni Kavas, Roshavas, if Nachi carved out a Kav from a log of a Jew on Yantif, Mazikim of Yantif, you could fuel it for a fire on Yantif. Amai, no, it's no lad, it was created on Yantif. Right? The guy is no lad because this log, which was carved, which was carved, belonged to a Jew, and a Jew can't carve on Yantif. So, so as soon as this happened, 
it, it, it's moksa because no one, it wasn't planned, it wasn't designated for this kav to be carved out on Yantif. Yet we say you're allowed to light with it. Must be. We don't paskin like reviewed in the laws of moksa. We paskin leniently with the laws of moksa. And it's not called moksa, just it was carved out. So evidently, Ravada Barava doesn't hold like Rebbe this. How here is he giving an explanation though, with understanding the Machokish of Lazar and Rebbe Kiva, where everybody holds like Rebbe Yudah, he himself doesn't hold like Rebbe Yudah. So the one says that the Rebbe Yudah, Rebbe Kiva, Kamale. Ravada Barava was just explaining. Rabbi Allah and Rabbi Yekiva based on Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. But personally, he doesn't pass him like Rabbi Yehuda. Personally, he passes like Rabbi Shimon, who is more lenient in the laws of Muksa and would not consider um, the kalim that broke on Yantif to be off limits from being used for firewood or the, the similarly, the carving of the, of the, of the Kaaba, the Allah on Yantif would not be Muksa according to Rabbi Shimon.